It's a very important slide. There's no slide. It's the, the only slide that we don't have an ITI. Okay. So for today, um, right after um, church day, we are doing RTR. Um, does anyone, Joe, do you know what that stands for? Yes. Um, so it's a great thing that our, our church does, that if you ever want to um, be with, um, involved with children's ministry, um, it's just a good way for us to um, know what to do, um, especially if you're not from that background, um, and just be able to um, provide you know, that extra thing so that parents can feel safe um, having us watch their kids. Um, so that's right after church, and it's not too late to sign up. So if you would like to, you can see Cindy. It's over at the gate, right after church. All right? And now we have Pastor Ron. Good morning. I am, I am excited about today. Um, patience is one of those things that it's like you never pray for patience. Don't ask, because what will happen? Your world will explode. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I sent out a simple text on Saturday uh, just to remind guys, if they wanted to participate in Fight Club, that registration closes this afternoon at was it early evening at 6.30. And if you want to be in with us uh, for the next 11 weeks in Fight Club, you just have to... Um, Make sure that you, I sent out an email, and the text was like, hey, I sent an email. Check the email. Group messages are so much fun, aren't they? Right? Because you can't escape them. And you can turn off your phone. And, and so it's just kind of like I anticipated that there would be some questions, and there would be what's going on, and, and response after response. Wait, I have to do what? I have to do this? And now I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And, and, then, and then someone would say something snarky and then someone would say something snarky back and then they started to poke. And, and, and then I'm like, okay, just to be clear, if you want to do Fight Club, we would love for you to do Fight Club. If you don't, it's okay. And then they, we were just kidding. We, because as each one was coming in, I was like, I was getting I was getting madder and madder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then I was just kinda like, wait a minute, I'm talking about patience tomorrow. And I'm like, okay God, I see what you're doing there. I get it, I get it. There were there were many, many and it's not done because I think that thread should just keep going. Uh, <laughs> Over the next eleven, no, that's what the band app is for. Uh, and again, just one one last real announcement, an announcement and an encouragement. And a, holy cow, I'm even more excited uh, that we had ten ladies that went out to the Women of Virtue. Eleven ladies, uh, yeah. Add a girl, add a girls, because uh, I think there are. And, and if all eleven of you registered, ladies, you are now beating the men when it comes to Fight Club. Because I, 10 registered. All right, don't worry. Still, I don't think we have 10 guys registered yet. So, gentlemen, 6.30 is the cutoff. 
uh, to register for Fight Club. And if you if you weren't able to go to the rally, uh, anyways, all the guys that are interested in Fight Club, uh, I want to meet with you by the sound booth as soon as church is done when we're when we finish before we tear down. Um, if you're interested in doing Fight Club, meet me and Justin and uh, Josh um, back at the back corner so we can talk about details. Awesome. Patience. Now, I didn't I, – this weekend has been a, a bit of a whirlwind. Um, I, I was at the uh, Royal Ranger Winter Klondike where Chick Feathers is with uh, a couple of our guys. And uh, that was Friday evening, and I spoke to the to the young the boys on Friday night about freedom, and and not just political freedom or independence as a country freedom, but what does it mean to truly be free from sin, and to walk in that freedom? And uh, Matt Pascarella let me borrow a pair of his uh, like Bates Police Department official handcuffs, uh, which was awesome. And uh, I, I handcuffed a kid and. Parked him up front in handcuffs for the whole time that I was talking. Um, and then I couldn't get them unlocked, which is great. Um, so thankfully there was an, another police officer there who knew how the key worked. So that I had the key so I could get him out. Um, and, uh, and then it's one of those things. Like God is so awesome the way he sets things up. So uh, those of you that know Tim uh, Bratzman, uh, our good friend, um, he was supposed to come and help with worship, and um, I didn't realize that the ranger commander for the Western Section had already arranged for someone to do worship, and I got a text from Tim saying he was on the way. And I was like, oh no, I, I forgot to tell him that we were already squared away for worship. How far are you away from Rochester? Because I'm covered. If, you, if you're too far, then go ahead, just keep on coming, and and we'll put you two together, and it'll be great. And as I'm talking to Tim on the phone, he's like, hold on a second. And I said, what, what's going on? He goes, I'm being pulled over. And I'm like, oh, no, is he being pulled over because he's talking to me on the phone? And then I'm thinking how much fun that's going to be to have to pay for his ticket because I caused the ticket. Um, and as I'm getting ready to speak, I get a text from him because this was like a couple hours before the event. And it's a picture of Tim, and he says, this is where I am right now. And it's a photograph of Tim in handcuffs, cuffed to a bench at the police station, because when they pulled him over for doing 50 and a 40, he didn't realize that his license was suspended. For something, I don't know what, and I don't, I'm not even sure that he knows what. And so as I'm talking about being shackled and a slave to sin, I was able to talk about, we have a friend who was supposed to actually be with us right here and right now, and, and he's shackled because sin is stupid, and sin will make you do stupid things, and it will make you make stupid choices that will shackle you, right? Um, it's awesome. And I gave a gospel invitation, and eight boys raised their hand to accept Christ. Uh, for the first time, which was amazing. Amazing. Praise the Lord. So then from there, as soon as we were done there, amen, okay, love you guys, drive to Buffalo to participate in our fight club because the guy, guys are like 
sin is stupid and sometimes guys are stupid, um, that our Fight Club kickoff rally started at midnight and went until 3 a.m. Saturday morning. And um, it was a blast. We had a lot of fun. I could tell you about it, but then I'd have to kill you because the rule of Fight Club is you can't talk about Fight Club, um, at least the rally part of it. Um, but it was awesome. But you, you ever get in the car and you trust that Google is going to take you the direction that you want to go? Right? So I'm at camp, which is in Varysburg, which is a half an hour south of Batavia, and I need to get to the Apex, which is the campus of the chapel, which is a big church in Buffalo. And there, the Apex is kind of up and around behind University of Buffalo. And so I'm thinking, well, how hard could this be? And I'll just, I'll just put it into Google. And, and so I, I get in the car and I drive out of camp. And I'm anticipating it just taking me right back up 98, back up to the thruway and thruway to Buffalo. And instead, Google says, no, I want you to turn right on Centerline Road. And if you've ever been at Camp Hickory Hill, um, normally we come up from the bottom, and so I, I had no idea how long Centerline Road is. And Centerline Road goes up the hill and then up the hill, and, and now and it's dark, right? It's 1030, almost 11 o'clock at night in the wintertime in, in southern New York, and I'm on this road that's barely a two-lane road in the dark, and then I crest the hill, and now I'm looking, I, I'm, I'm on the top of Whiteface Mountain, and I'm hoping my brakes work, because this, and, and I'm just like, where are you taking me? Because I had no, so I was on that, on that road, Centerline Road, for a very long time. Uh, it took me all the way, I think, to 78, and then 78 up to 20, and then over to 400, and I'm thinking, where in the world, I don't even know, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where in the world is Rob Dickerson? I have no idea. And amazingly, by the magic of Google, uh, all of a sudden I'm on 90, and then I'm like, okay, whew, I'm not going to end up somewhere where there are two children sitting on a bridge playing banjos with no teeth. Um, and if you don't know that reference, it's okay. Um, but I was like, how long is it going to take to get where what I thought was less than an hour to, to get to where I needed to go? Um, it took me a lot longer than that. But, you know, Google knows everything. And, and getting there is, is sometimes a challenge because we have this idea of how long we think it's supposed to take to get somewhere. And, and when you don't know where you are, it can be scary. Right? In, in my mind, I knew where I needed to be, and I knew that if I had gone my way, uh, how to get there. But now I'm on these back roads, and I have no idea where I am. Um, I, I've always, have you ever heard of East Aurora? Right? Uh, everyone's heard of East Aurora? Apparently there is an Aurora. Um, I found it. I was there. Uh, and and I, I'm assuming that if there's an East, uh, there must be an, an, an Aurora. Um, the people from East Aurora were like, where is that? We don't even know where that is. Um, when I told the story, when I got back to camp, they're like, there's an Aurora? I'm like, yep, I found it. Drove right through it. Um, patience. It's that fruit of the Spirit that if we were to try to find a fruit for it, what fruit would you guess would be the fruit for patience? talked about cherries last week for peace. 
watermelon. The watermelon actually was the fruit for joy because watermelons are synonymous with happiness and summer. And um, Anybody ever tried it? Pineapple? Pineapple maybe. Pineapples are kind of tough, right? It takes a little bit of work. But I think there's a fruit that's harder than a pineapple. What a pomegranate. Pomegranates are a nightmare, aren't they? Right? And they're so good. Like the, the, the flavor is so amazing. But then you, you have to peel it off. And then there's those interior compartments. And you have all the seeds. And the seeds get all over the place. And then the juice stains your fingers. And then you're, and you're like, you're, you can't wait. Because now you finally, after 45 minutes of fighting through the, the, the peel to get to it, you, you have these little nuggets of, of, you hope, wonderfulness. And you put it in your mouth. And three-quarters of each little bit is a pit or a seed, right? Which, I don't know, are you allowed to swallow those? I usually do. Who knows what's going on in my digestive system from all the pomegranate seeds that have been processed through this body. But pomegranates require patience. And, and here's the thing. I, Robin Meadows said this. He said, patience is waiting without complaining. Waiting without complaining. Patience is exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. It's showing empathy towards others when they're not doing things to our standard. Ever experienced that? Where you've asked someone to do something and you know how it could be done if you had done it? And then they're doing it, but they're not doing it the way you would have done it? And... And it's not being done as quickly as you wanted. There was a moment uh, at the end of the weekend that uh, we needed to rearrange chairs to get ready for Saturday night's worship service. And so I asked some of the young men, um, hey guys, would you please help me put the chairs back together so that we can get ready for evening service? And they looked at me and they said, yes, with smiles and nods. And then proceeded to continue sitting there and doing nothing. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, the clock is ticking, and the service starts at 8 o'clock, and we still have to move all of these chairs. And so I start moving chairs. And the children sat there and did nothing. They just watched me move chairs. I was like, awesome. This is great. So I'm like, it still has to get done, so I'm moving chairs. Now, there's also in this room a room full of adult Royal Ranger commanders who are all sitting around chit-chatting and talking and now I'm actually having to come to their tables to get their chair. And I'm looking at them like, hmm, maybe you could help me move chairs. And they looked at me and just kind of smiled. You're doing a great job. Kind of like here on a Sunday morning. Oh, Pastor Rob, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Just putting away chairs. Patience is produced. Here's a, here's, this is a good one. I want you to catch this. Patience is produced when we support the growth in others as they are on their own journey of life. When we provide support for others, which can be excruciating. When you're trying to help someone else figure out life, and, and they are either they're dragging their feet or they're not making the choices that you hope that they would make, and, and you have to recognize it's not my choice to make. It's their choice. 
patience is sitting back and letting them make the dumb choice. Or patience is trusting that God has them and He's going to help them, but you can't make that choice for them. My son and I have an epic rock, paper, scissors battle uh, scheduled for this afternoon. Nathaniel's been accepted at multiple schools, and there are two schools that it's, it's like it's a miracle what God has done to basically provide almost 100% of his school bill for either one of his choices. Amazing. And it's all because of his hard work. He's a fantastic kid. But he can't pick which one it is. And, and so one uh, I, I like and one I think is the one that he likes, but he, he can't make a decision. I said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Rock, paper, scissors. We're going to have an epic rock, paper, scissors battle this afternoon. And if you win, you get to pick what school you go to. And if I win, I get to pick what school you go to. Fair? And he agreed. So this afternoon, no, yeah, that's the way it works. Yes. That's the whole point of rock, paper, scissors. The winner picks. Either way, he wins. Either way, he wins. So we're excited. We're going to put it on Facebook Live. So keep your eyes open this afternoon. There will be a rock, paper, scissors battle to decide what school Nathaniel goes to. Uh, so tune in, listeners. Um, it'll be probably like 3 or 4 o'clock or later this afternoon. Before your registration to Fight Club is due at 6.30. See what I did there? There we go. Here's another definition of patience. Patience is not getting easily disgruntled when a delay occurs. Not getting easily disgruntled when a delay occurs when it won't matter in 10 years. Or it won't matter even in 10 days not happening the way you want it, when you want it, and trusting God has got you, and I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to trust Him. I, a friend of mine, uh, one of my heroes in, in ministry, he was our pastor when we were in, in Ohio, had this amazing phrase that he would say when things didn't go his way. Things would, we would have something blow up at church. Some family was upset. Something would happen. And he, I, I when we started talking about the series, we talked about overwhelming joy. And, and for today, it's indefatigable patience. That means it's inexhaustible. You can't, it can't get tired. You can't wear it out. Patience that's indefatigable. And if anyone that I have ever known in my life would fit the definition of indefatigable, it would be Pastor Dave Gross. And he would say this, when something would blow up, something we were like, it would be a crisis. And as on staff, we were like, what are we going to do? And he was just steady. And he would say, it's not my wife, and it's not my life. It's going to be okay. Right? It's not, I, I'm not worried about my wife. This issue is not going to blow up my marriage, and it's not going to blow up my life. It's going to be okay. Psalm chapter 37, verse 7 says this. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. 
when you are in the presence of the Lord, God's timing will happen when it happens. Uh, Another friend of mine uh, in ministry, he was my pastor when we were in Florida. Um, He was notorious for saying this, that God will do whatever God jolly well pleases. And he'll do it when he jolly well pleases. And, And we struggle with that, right? Because we want God to do it when we want him to do it. Not when he jolly well pleases. Still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. I can't tell you how many times I have displayed folly. Because it didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. Or it didn't look how I wanted it to look. Or they didn't make the choice that I was hoping that they would make. And I lost it. Whether that's as a parent, or as a husband, or as a pastor. Countless times where I have displayed folly. Whoever is patient has great understanding. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Which gentleness is one of the fruits we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I think about that, you know, breaking that verse down as we start to think about, okay, how, how do I fare on this? Be completely humble. I got that one down because I am got I am humble. Like I'm the humblest. Right? No one is more humble. Is that how that works? No. No. It's not how it works. I I, I tease my wife, like, I'm the humblest. I'm 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 the most humble. No one's more humble than me. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Because the people that He has placed in our lives are there on purpose. Your spouse, the friends, the people that are in your circle, the people that drive you nuts, God put them there on purpose. Because He wants to create in you. He wants to give you the opportunity to experience His love, to experience the fruits of His Spirit, to experience love and joy and peace and patience so that we cannot just be able to wear a badge to say, I'm the most patient and I'm the most humble and I've got the most joy. Look at how much fruit I have in my life. We have these things in our life so that we can bear with one another in love. Romans 12.12, is that the verse that you read during communion? It was a different Romans verse. Paul says this to the Romans. He says, be joyful in hope. That was easy, right? Be joyful in hope. Like I have hope that things are going to turn out well for me or for my family or for my future. I can be joyful in hope. The next one's harder though. Patient in affliction. I don't know about that one. Patient in affliction. That one's harder. I can be joyful in hope, but patient in affliction when it hurts, 
when when I don't when I don't feel good, when I'm struggling, when I when I'm having a, a difficulty, when when it feels like I'm under attack, be patient. And then he says this and to wrap up verse twelve, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. You want to experience joy and hope and, and to know the patience of God. The way that you receive that, the way those fruits become real in your life, is when you've been faithful in prayer. When you feel like you're at the end, you're on the edge of the cliff, and, and it's, it's all going to fall off of the edge. When you've been faithful in prayer, that edge doesn't look so deep. So, so so dangerous. The challenge, then, the encouragement is, please don't wait until you're at the edge of the cliff to think, oh, maybe I should pray. Right? So many times we have uh, had conversations with couples that said, Pastor Rob, we uh, we need to get down. We need to sit down with you because we're going through some difficulty in our marriage, and. Um, we sit down and we say, well, how long has this been going on? Oh, this has been going on for years. Oh, well, when did you reach out for help? Well, we're at the end. It's almost over. We're ready to throw in the towel and quit. And, and you're like, but this has been going on for years. Being faithful in prayer isn't waiting until you're on the edge of the cliff. It's the cliff is on the horizon. Let's talk about let's get some help now. Faithful in prayer, so that you can be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. Romans 8.25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now he's talking about our eternal hope, that, that, that we get to be completely restored and reunited with who, who we were made to be. And we wait for it patiently. We, we don't like to be patient. It's hard. There's a, a thing, and I am not, again, I am not sportsy. Remember? When football season is around and the Super Bowl uh, and all of that, and I, I cheer for whoever the loudest people are cheering for because I don't really know, right? And, and I, will be, I will be like Brian Regan, and I will say, go, my favorite sports team. Defeat the opponent soundly in the skirmish. Score, score a goal unit basket. Right? Because I don't, I don't know. But I found this illustration that's a sportsy illustration, so forgive me if I butcher it. But there apparently is a thing called being red-shirted. Anybody understand what that means? Being red-shirted. So when a, when a college athlete is recruited to a team, he may not be good enough to make the team, but he's good. And so what they'll do is, is that, that college athlete will be red-shirted. It means that the freshman athlete will have to wait to be officially made part of the team. Um, and so they have to suit up every time that there is a game. They have to go to every practice. They ride the bus to every game, and at every game they sit the bench because they are red-shirted. And, and what, it, what it does is that they get to practice with the team. They're trained by all the coaches. But otherwise, they just have to sit and wait to really participate. It's got to be hard. But if you're trying out for a team that's like one of the, the, the Division One, like really, really good teams, 
you're just happy to be on the bench. But that as you're sitting there on the bench, game after game after game, waiting for your shot, it's got to be, got to be difficult. Because the invitation to redshirt is an invitation to wait. And a lot of student athletes aren't really enthusiastic initially about that offer. They're like, oh, really? I didn't make the team. You're going to redshirt me? But there are some advantages to redshirting, and here's some of them. You get to be familiar with the team playbook while you're in that process, while you're waiting. Not only are you getting familiar with the playbook, but you're working out with the team in the gym. So it's not that nothing is happening. While you're waiting, you're getting stronger because you're working out just like everybody else. And you have an extra year to develop in order to be more effective in the long run. Um, Forgive me again, I don't know how old this illustration is, so tell me if these football players are even still football players. Sometimes I find things online and they're like they played for the Steelers in the 50s. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers running back LeVon Bell, still current? See, I don't even know. Le'Veon Bell. Is he still a player? Is he even a Steeler anymore? No one? Okay. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, still a Seahawks quarterback? Okay, good. See, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not still my favorite sports team, store, score a goal unit basket. Both of them were redshirted in college. And they're probably some of the most dynamic players, according to this article and to you who know these things in the room, um, in the NFL. But they had to wait their turn before they could get to their position in the, in the big show. The, the, what, the, what they were hoping for, they had to redshirt their way through college in order to be eligible. Um, it's kind of like how David got redshirted by having to serve as a shepherd for years and years and years before he was anointed by Samuel, right? He had no idea what God's plan was for his life. All he knew was, Dad said, go, go protect the sheep. And it's a lonely job. And it's a dangerous job. But he was faithful. And while he was out there watching the sheep, probably a boring job, Probably not a very exciting thing to do to sit and watch sheep. The sheep are dumb. And making sure that they're not making dumb choices. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a wolf. Or all of a sudden there's a lion. Or all of a sudden there's a what, Toby? A bear. Yeah. Right? And so he, you got to imagine for a, a bored 13, 12, 13 year old kid out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of dumb, smelly sheep, and all you have is your staff and a sling and rocks everywhere, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up some rocks, and you're going to target practice. And you're going to throw, and you're going to throw, and you're going to throw. Can I hit that tree? I bet I can hit that tree. Oh, miss. Oh, no, I got this one. And you just keep doing it because there is literally nothing else to do and so now, as you, as you go out to the pasture and you see where David has been watching these sheep, being faithful, being obedient, waiting to be called up off of the bench 
my imagination pictures this area where the sheep are, and maybe there's a stream with water, and there's a couple of trees to hang my hammock. Um, But every single tree is splintered from rock impacts. Because David has just been, and he starts with the big trees, right? The big ones that, man, there's no way I can miss this. This is like a big honking, like three, four hundred year old tree. It's this big. And, and you start throwing at that one until you're like, man, okay, I'm bored now. I can hit this one. Now I'm going to go to a smaller tree. And I'm going to go to a smaller tree. And so finally, he's going after saplings that are maybe an inch in diameter and two or three shots. And there's probably a bunch of these young sapling trees that are only this tall because he literally split them in half. He's slinging them in because he was so dialed in. And then all of a sudden, Dad says, hey, the boys are hungry. They're at battle. And I want you to go. And I want you to bring them cheese. I want you to take them a cheese tray because they're, they're hungry. Right? And so the guys who are getting to do all the things that you want to, like they get to go to the shooting range. They get to do all the cool stuff. And, and now there's actual battle. And, hey, somebody's got to deliver the cheese. And no one really wants to do it. And, and dad finally remembers, oh, wait a minute. There, there is, what's, what's that kid's name, the little one, the one that we always send out to watch the sheep? Yeah, David, David, he can take the cheese. And so David shows up on the battlefield, and what's going on? There is this enormous guy who is mocking God. There is this guy who is mocking the nation of Israel for believing in God and, and just spewing blasphemies and, and hor- day after day after day after day, and no one's doing anything. And David walks onto the scene, and, and I love it because this is one of my favorite uh, uh, evidence is that bribery is okay. Um, because David asks, what does the guy get who takes out this giant? And the response is, well, whoever kills this giant never has to pay taxes ever again. He gets to marry a princess, and he gets to eat from the king's table for the rest of his life. So he never has to work again. He gets to marry a princess and never pay any taxes. The next words out of David's mouth is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he will stand in and mock the name of the Lord our God, right? Maybe. I mean, I know there's lots of other verses that say bribery is bad. Um, but that one kind of makes me leave that there are some motivations for positive behavior. Uh, and so this kid says, who is this guy? Right? He's finally being called up off of the bench. And, and this guy is a master warrior. He is he is like the the leader of Navy SEAL Team 6 on steroids. Like like if if um give me a big professional wrestler. One of the, uh, Andre the Giant, right? But imagine Andre the Giant could move like a ninja, not just a big lumbering monster. And and he he has all the high-tech armor. He's got everything. He's got Kevlar plates. He's got the helmet. He's got, he's got everything, like all the high-tech stuff, because Israel, they didn't have the same kind of weaponry that the Philistines had. Philistines actually had steel and iron. And the Israelites still at this point, they, all they had were bronze weapons. You go up with a bronze sword and against a guy who has an iron sword, you're cooked. Because the steel will snap your bronze sword like that. 
And so Israel is on their side of the valley, and they're terrified because literally the, the guys with all the toys, with all the bells and whistles, like Tony Stark and all his weapons are on the other side with everything to their advantage. And, and, and the, the underdogs, the Israelites are over here, and David looks out and he says, I, I can take out that guy. And no one knows what to do. Saul, Saul looks at this punk kid and, and he's like, my entire army is scared to death. No one knows what to do. And, and you're like, you got this guy? And he goes, yeah, I got this guy. This is it. Do you see how that big gap where his helmet comes down and there's like a quarter size space right there by his forehead? And, and Saul's kind of like, well, what is that going to do? Look at his armor. Look at how heavy his, his, his spear is. Like, you're not even going to get anywhere near this guy, and he's just going to harpoon you and carry you around like a popsicle. And David's like, no, 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 no. I got this. Because David knew that at 200 yards, I can split a sapling with this rock. That hole, he's like, he's like Luke Skywalker and the Death Star. Like, that, that hole is nothing. I can, I can take out womp rats from this distance. Because I've done it a thousand times. Because God was with him, and he had learned, this is, this is going to sound a little uh, maybe um, not inappropriate. Uh, there's a phrase that my wife and I love to use when we are struggling with something that we don't like. Uh, it's called embrace the suck. That there are times where where life is not good, life sucks. But God is asking us to endure patiently, faithfully, and embrace the suck. David knew embrace the suck. He had that down. And in the process of doing all of that he did, and not only was he like a, a laser-focused, missile-guided slinger with a rock, he had fought wolves with his bare hands because if they get past the rock then it's just you and me mano a mano hopefully i've got a pocket knife or something and he had successfully defeated wolves and lions and bears with a slingshot and a stick so there's this giant who seems unkillable david's like no i'm good me and god we've got this because he had already he had already embraced the suck of of doing the hard work. You don't get to be a laser focused ninja with a slingshot without spending time in the woods alone, having to learn patience. When we wait on the Lord, you can get this. This this rhymes. And, and I didn't write it, so I can't take credit for it. When we wait on the Lord, we can either grumble or choose to be humble. You good? We can wait on the, if we will wait on the Lord, we can either grumble or we can choose to be humble. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, He will lift us up and we will be properly prepared for it when He does. But we have to be willing to to embrace the suck.
Anybody heard of Bethany Hamilton? Bethany Hamilton was a young 13-year-old girl. She lived in Hawaii. She loved to surf. And uh, she, she would uh, win surf championship after surf championship. And she was out uh, with her family and friends, and they were surfing. Uh, and she was not aware that there was a tiger shark uh, in the water. And so she, she wiped out uh, and uh, came up out of the water. The family was on the beach and realized that something is wrong. And the tiger shark came and, and sheared off her, I think it was her um, left arm. And you can't even imagine how much pain that would be. Um, or what does that do to a young girl who the love of her life gets taken away from her because it is incredibly difficult to surf with just one arm? Because surfing isn't just balance on a board. Surfing is you've got to get on the board and then you've got to paddle through the waves to get out to where you can turn around and then ride them back in. And being able to, to get under a wave um, so as a wave is crashing, you don't try to you don't try to paddle over it. As a wave is crashing in that in the the, the zone um, where all the waves crash, you have to grab a hold of your board and it's called a duck dive. And you have to dive down and go under the wave and pop out. And you have to do that multiple times until you get past that zone where all the waves crash before you can turn around. How do you do that with only one arm? So she had. Uh, people who loved her figured out a way to create a prosthetic that she could wear that would hold on to her board so that she could paddle and kick with her one arm. And it took her a long time to relearn how to surf. Um, But here's the thing. There was uh, this moment. um, This was um, back, do you guys remember when the tsunami hit Thailand? Um, And just, it was horrific. In, In Indonesia, all of those people that died and, and she was devastated by her tragedy and, and questioned whether she should even consider to continue surfing. Um, and a year after her accident, she signed up with World Vision and got on a plane and flew to Thailand to go on a missions trip. And while she's there serving, she, um, she noticed something um, after a couple of weeks of working with the people because she was working with about 50 kids from a village and none of them would go in the water. They wouldn't swim because they were terrified uh, of what the water could do to them after they had seen, literally, the ocean come crashing onto their village. And, and Brittany, uh, not Brittany, Bethany, thank you, she grabbed a surfboard and, and went out into the water, uh, still only one arm, used her difficulty, used her adversity to teach those 50 kids how to surf. And so it, right? How, how do you do that? Right? For, for many of us, you have that amputation of whatever that area is in your life that gets chopped off. I'm just going to put my other hand up in the air. I quit. This is too hard. Ouch. I'm done. God said, I'm not done with you yet. So are you willing to embrace the suck and trust that I'm going to show up for you? It may not be when you want, 
It may not look the way you want it to look. But he says, if you are faithful, if you are still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act, he will bring out that fruit in your life. can't expect to grow unless we're willing to let God lead us in the process and invite the opportunity for patience to be made real in our lives so that we would bear that fruit. Pray. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people here in this room that they feel like they can't go another second. They are struggling. They are in the middle of the suck. And they need you. Lord, we need you to help us to experience your indefatigable patience. Lord, we're so grateful. We get it. The people in our lives drive us crazy. The choices that they make, the things that they do, and, and we just want to lose it. Lord, I'm so grateful because there are so many times that I have blown it and I have blown it and I have done what I wanted and not what you wanted and you didn't strike me with lightning. You were patient, constantly drawing me, constantly giving me another shot. Lord, this morning I pray you would help us to experience your truth as we talk about having your fruit born in our lives. Love and joy and peace. Now today, patience. Lord, I know it's a dangerous prayer to ask because when we pray for patience, you give us the opportunity to be patient. Lord, when we are faithful in prayer, you joyfully bring our hopes reality. Lord, today I want to pray your blessing over everyone here this morning that you would help us to trust in your indefatigable patience with us and that you will show up right when we need to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Fight Club guys, meet me in the back corner. Even if you didn't come to the rally, but you want to participate in Fight Club, meet us in the back corner. Blessings.